You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you. And no matter where you are in the world, you can definitely listen and watch and learn from Jesse Hildebrand, who's the Vice President of Education for Exploring by the Seat of Your Pants. This is a global education nonprofit that connects scientists, explorers, mountaineers, divers, astronauts, conservationists, and more through 40 plus monthly live free interactive programs. And seriously, Exploring by the Seat of Your Pants has a massive, massive library of two and a half thousand interviews. It's so inspiring for kids and students of all ages. And by the way, Jesse's also the lead on their Backyard Bio Global Nature campaign, which is run every May, and it gets kids outdoors observing, documenting, doing all the things that good biologists do, and importantly, it's through social media with hashtag Backyard Bio. Today is an inspiring chat with someone who truly is passionate about science education in many, many ways. Let's listen on in. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech, and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the Physics Ed Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. I'm so thrilled to be here. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, really stoked to have you because, hey, I was hanging out with Meredith only a little while ago, who you do know, and she said, you know, man, you've got to have a chat with him. <laughs> so we're going to. Well, I- I appreciate Meredith's recommendation very much, and I'm thrilled to be here to explain a little bit about some of the fun stuff I've been up to and uh, uh, reach your amazing audience. Again, kudos to you uh, before we went live, but just saying how incredible it is that you've got this network all around the world. So uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, mate, I'm really happy to be, be here with you actually hanging out, because sometimes we're just, we're both educators. <laughs> it comes down to it. We're educators and we like just doing stuff, and it's great to know that there's people around the world who have that same passion, which is kind of cool <laughs> it's good yeah. so, hey, yeah, there's so there's so much innovative stuff going on too people like in every country around the world are doing all these neat things and we have the chance to sort of learn from each other and share and steal ideas on occasion and partner up and uh it's been a really exciting last couple of years especially as people have come up with new tactics and tricks to sort of reach audiences in a new and, and impactful way so oh yeah, totally and speaking innovative and making things happen i mean hey you've been doing some interesting stuff <laughs> so well, thank you <laughs> so tell, tell us all about it yeah, so I mean, my, my bread and butter, my day job, so to speak, is as uh, vice president of education. It's very easy to be a vice president in a two-person organization um, <laughs> at something called Exploring by the Seat of Your Pants. And so this was founded by a teacher in Ontario where I came from, uh, and he just started bringing in cool speakers and explorers and scientists into his classroom virtually through originally Google Hangouts and then Zoom and sort of all the platforms slowly but surely. And he found that that really had a big impact, sort of uh, enticed students with a a geographical education from around the globe. He actually had a lot of um, speakers come from Australia and talk about some of the shark issues associated with that. And to have that direct experience talking with these amazing people is really, it's amazing. I mean, I personally grew up with Steve Irwin as my hero and having the chance of having Steve Irwin in my classroom live where I could ask him questions, I would have given my left arm for that. And so... Uh, I got involved from the get-go of this when it started being rolled out to classrooms across North America. And so we do 40 to 50 broadcasts every single month with amazing scientists and explorers around the globe for free. 
and they're all recorded. So there's a, a library of 2,500 plus past broadcasts with everything from cave divers to particle physicists and, you know, live at the zoo with a giraffe over the person's head. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. Oh, mate, that's, that's an extraordinary amount of work behind the scenes. It is. It's, I, I mean, it's, as you said, we're both educators. And so work's sort of a loose term. I'm not in a classroom, so I don't have the daily you know, need to build up a curriculum to work with students. And so I get this thrill of getting to find new speakers and new opportunities for classrooms every day yeah. and to do the registrations and make sure that everyone comes in. And so, yeah, it, I mean, it's a lot, but it doesn't feel like a lot of work. And we've sort of, at seven years now, we've sort of got it down to a science and we can book in 40 programs in a month, like clickety split, no problem at all. <laughs> oh, wow. That is the, a massive amount of, of really authentic content that students can learn from and it's recorded it's recorded and i mean it's it's live it's mm. free and it's free is really important and i, I think it's mm. you know your audience will know this uh classes in sydney and toronto and new york and london can afford to have cool people come in or they have resources like museums uh science centers zoos aquaria all nearby that they can send their classes to if you are in rural Iowa or in the Northern Territory or in, you know, who knows where, that's an opportunity that is not afforded to you. And so we make it free and, and constantly accessible. And it means that anyone can join in and learn from these amazing people and watch them forever. And I think that that's, I watch my own, I, I watch, not my own, not to see myself. I watch programs we've done six years ago to see some of these experts because I pay a hundred dollars for a ticket to see them. Yeah. And that makes it so worthwhile. Yeah. Wow. So where do you find that many people per month that's a lot it is a lot so we have a few sort of like legacy people and groups that have been involved with us for a very long time the toronto zoo has been a big partner of ours um both of us originally started in ontario so we built up a lot of relationships with groups there uh ripley's aquarium where there's you know sharks going over your head has been really nice partnerships with governments so you know parks canada did this incredible 20-part series with us last year and outside of that it's word of mouth if we find a speaker, they'll almost always recommend our program uh, as a digital outreach tool to their colleagues and to their friends. And I cold call everybody. I have sent, I think, 15,000 emails over the last seven years to every person I can think of that deals with, you know, things that interest me. If I, if I love dinosaurs, I think kids are probably going to love dinosaurs too. So I'll reach out to all the dinosaur experts in the world on a particular topic and see who's willing to come on. And I mean, most scientists love to talk about their work. And they come on it's a 45 minute program and so yeah that's that's the name of the game <laughs> no it's it's made absolutely and uh, i love how thick your skin can be because you can get a lot of no's oh that. so many no's 90 yeah. no and uh that's okay I, i'm used to that in my other roles i've had in the past too you know what i i think most people are willing to see us and i because i've been at this for so long people will say no and if you keep harassing them every few months for years they'll eventually just give up and say yes and join <laughs> you and some of the best programs you've ever had have been from things like that so oh it's amazing it's like a, it's the erosion effect i'll just keep on going yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wear them down no that's, that's uh, fantastic so i mean so you've got these uh all these these things that kids can um watch in all different age ages and and uh Gee, I mean, that's a lot of scope. I mean, there um, if, if you're an educator, you jump on your site and then they want to go, I don't know, just say they want to learn. You say dinosaurs and are they, can they like search for only the dinosaur programs or that sort of thing? So the best way to do that is the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel has everything that we've ever done. The site, we don't keep all the past programs there because it would get a little unwieldy. The site we use to sort of advertise things that are coming up soon. So, you know, it's October, there's 40 programs. You can see a calendar, you can register your class, click a few buttons and you're in. We'll send you the link and lickety split, you're good. If you wanted to find dinosaur programs or you wanted to find a specific speaker, 
go to our YouTube channel, type that in, and everything we've ever done will pop up. So particle physics, you can be really unique. You could say Toronto Zoo if you're keen on those things that I talked about, and they're all there. Um, we should probably spend some more time sort of narrowing it down and, and cutting them a little bit, making them a little more cohesive, yeah. but we're, we're too busy making new ones to do that. So it's a good problem to have. So when you think about the um the the speakers, I mean, some people are highly engaging, they're natural speakers, and some people yeah. aren't, but their their content is amazing. So yes. what are some of the things that um, really can help? Um, but if someone's listening to this, I know there are people, not just educators, we know there are scientists listening to this um, all over the place. So if they needed to communicate their content in a way that's accessible to the general audience, I mean, what are tips and things that you go, you know what, this really works? Yeah. One of the simplest things, and it sounds so ridiculous, is to watch other effective science communicators. I mean, we all learn by seeing great people in action, whether we're an educator, whether we're a scientist learning from other scientists and sort of mentors. And I think that that works for science communication too. You're right. A lot of scientists don't have that training. They don't have the backdrop. They'd love to be better communicators, but they've never had the opportunity to do so. And I say, watch Carl Sagan. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Steve Irwin, David Attenborough. I mean, these people and the way that they go about presenting things, if you learn that and you watch it as a craft, it can really go a long way to help it. The second is to avoid jargon. And I mean, there's a lot of scientists like particle physics, like, um, you know, uh, intense zoology that have difficult elements to them. And I think it's important to start with your audience with the assumption that they know very little and keep things as visual and openly engaging as possible because an audience will always fill in what they're interested in in a question and answer period. And I think this is where science generally has shifted, sorry, science communication has shifted generally from like these hour and a half long talks, the speaker walks out, gives the presentation and walks off the stage yeah. to more of a, a, you know, a relationship where they come out, they chat, they learn what the audience is keen on. There's a big question period. That's really, really helpful. So keep it simple. Um, keep it, uh, learn from the best, read on how to do that. And increasingly there are training programs. So universities, uh, government agencies, independent contractor groups will offer that training to people. And that's huge. I mean, I've gone through things like that in the past through some of the programs that I've done. I've, I've watched a lot of people and I've practiced as made perfect. But those all, that's a very long-winded uh, group of answers for you. Ben. No, it just helps. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking here that um, we, like our students, uh, and it doesn't matter what age they are. I mean, uh, being able to speak in front of people is a, it's challenging for a start. And then um, being, you know, if you have to speak about a subject, it, you, hopefully you've got to be able to communicate in such a way that people can actually understand it. That is a skill. And so, I mean, it's, it's classroom educators. I mean, we're, we're, we want them to know the content, but honestly, this is a skill that's transferable across every industry. Yep. And, and I think, you know, again, practice is the best part of this. Uh, I, if you, you can actually, because our library is there, you can watch the first broadcast I did. It was with a Victoria Bug Zoo in Victoria, British Columbia. I was seven years ago. I looked like a little boy. Uh, I was Google Hangouts and it was way before the pandemic. So everything's really yeah. blurry. So I'm in like two definition. Um, but, you know, you get better. And I think it was my 50th broadcast. I was like, okay, I've got this down and now I've done 1200. And so you slowly but surely work up to that as a classroom teacher, as an educator. And that really does go a long way to making you more effective. And secondly, and I've been noticing this among educators generally around the world, they're willing to admit that they don't necessarily always know the best way of communicating something. So they'll guide students to incredible resources like Crash Course um, is a, just a fantastic online resource of all sorts of topics. Um, geez, Khan Academy in some cases, like there's these online courses and resources that are really effective supplements to what teachers are teaching in the classroom. And th that really does help a lot. So. Oh, massively. Yeah. I'm going to actually ask an unfair question because, hey, okay. I do that occasionally. 1,200 broadcasts, 
Yeah. Is there one that sticks out in mind going, oh my God, that was just amazing. It blew my mind. So it's funny because I have several for me personally, but the best one we've ever done as an organization, I didn't host. And I'm kind of sad about <laughs> that. It's a two-man team, but my colleague did. And it was called Rhino 911. And it literally begins with a speaker in a helicopter with a cell phone in Kenya. And he's flying along and they pull out a darting rifle and they dart a rhino and they land the helicopter. This is all live on film. And the ground team comes with a Jeep and they they come out with a chainsaw and they cut off its horn, which I mean is a really radical anti-poaching solution, but most the most metal incredible thing we've ever featured on the program. And then they go into this talk about why they're doing this, how important it is, and it's just mind-blowing. So that's one of the things that really differentiates us in general is that we love these from the field. We've been live in a river in Gabon with a fish expert. We've been in Antarctica many times. We were on the, um, I, we were on the endurance ship, uh, Endurance 22, looking for Shackleton's lost wreck. We did like 20 programs live from the ship last year. And that was amazing. So that all really jumps out. Um, yeah, I have some favorite speakers of all time and I can send that to your audience and give it to you if you want to pass it along, but uh, yeah, yeah. it's just, Every day is a bit of a, a gift. I really, I pinch myself daily. I'm very lucky. Oh, that's so authentic. And I love the fact that it's live, real, and raw. Like that to yeah. me is amazing. The, the number of times we do presentations and people are really concerned, oh, we need the perfect lighting. We need the perfect sound. We need the perfect whatever that is. And I'm like going, it, 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 in some ways, it sometimes it takes away from it. It can. No, and kids notice this really, really well. It's interesting because we partnered a lot with governments. And this is, this is a classic example of this. Mm. Some government departments are really great. They're like, hey, we're going to do it. You know, come what may, we're going to prepare, but it's going to be live and raw and authentic, like you said. Yeah. And others are like, we're going to have the banner just so, and we're going to say this exact line here. Everyone picks up on that, how fake that is. Oh, yeah. And so it's really important to make sure that you're, you're talking to, I mean, kids have just as good questions as adults, usually better questions. They're super vested and they have no time for nonsense. Like, and, and it's funny because so much effort is put into trying to make it this polished, perfect experience. And it always works better when you have that just human connection and something normal. Oh, straight up. And actually, if you're listening on in, and I've been listening for long enough, know for well that I just ramble. <laughs> <laughs> for good reason yeah, me too don't yeah. worry we'll take this longer than usual <laughs> yeah but actually like i mean like of course i mean we, you know if at a professional sense we'll actually spend a little bit of time but the reality is that the best questions are, are here and now you follow the rabbit hole as you go i was listening to an interesting um conversation on radio interview yesterday afternoon so there's a um uh, our abc channel they have this music show it's been going for many years it's called Spicks and specs and uh anyway they're um they're chatting with a host who now is in britain he's doing his own thing now they're doing like this comeback series and they're asking you know what's it like preparing do you do much rehearsal and this is like a comedy show combined with music and they're going well the thing is that we work with our writers and we're going to do all this cool we've got these great jokes and now i'm constantly apologizing to our writers that uh, i'm sorry we didn't use the joke because you know our, our guest on the show just had this great story we had to go down that line and I'm yeah. like, oh, you know what? That's great. It's not rigid. And as long as people can, you know, drop, you know, put their ego in a box for a little bit, <laughs> yeah, you can bring up the joke another time. They're doing it as authentically as possible. And yeah. it matters. It makes such a world of difference. I'm, I, listen, hey, I'm so glad to find someone who feels the same way. So this is good. We should do a program together. And the vice versa. <laughs> Kind of comfort exploring by the seat of your pants. Oh, I'll tell you what. I mean, if I could be, you know, on a Shackleton adventure in Africa with yes. rhinos, wow. <laughs> I, I, our goal, slowly but surely, is to try and worm our way onto those expeditions. We get to oh, broadcast wow. them live from the studio. But, like, uh, I, I've had, both of us have had the chance to go on AX 
expedition or two as a result of the partnerships we've garnered. But like the goal, my, I was chatting today earlier with um, the Atlantis research vessel, which has Alvin the Submersible, one of the only, I would say alongside Hubble, one of the only two like named well-known science instruments in the world. And we're doing a broadcast of them next week. And so I would honestly, I, I would skip anything. I have my, my wedding coming up. I might skip my wedding just to go be with Alvin <laughs> if they offered me the chance. To, we'll, we'll postpone it, honey. We'll postpone it. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, best bit that's even even recorded. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we're okay. But that's awesome. But that's fantastic. I mean, so really, you're in a, like a kid in a candy store. Yes. I am the happiest person on earth. I... When I was four, truly, so Steve Irwin, I had Steve Irwin birthday parties. I went to the local reptile zoo. We'd have all my friends over. I'd be like, this is what this is. And that's what that is. And I know this because I'm watching Crocodile Hunter. I had posters on my wall. So when I was like four and five, I knew that I wanted to be a science communicator because what better role is there in the world than getting to share your enthusiasm about science and nature with people where you can trigger that reaction. You can tell them about something amazing and watch them go, wow, how cool is that? And I get to do that every day. And I get to find the coolest people in the world and bring them on to do that with audiences too. Like that is, I, I don't know. Is there a better role in that on earth? I haven't found it. Oh, it's amazing. And tell you what, um, there are times when we visit schools, we visit a lot of them and you see some students who then they might be 10, but you can see they've got unbridled enthusiasm for this. And yeah. I go, hey, curate it, grow it, give yep. them the skills so that maybe they are going to be the next Steve Irwin. You know, yep. the, you know, the next Carl Sagan, whoever. I mean, I mean, they grow up at some point. Yep. So the two things that I find are, are most effective. One is as a resource, I always guide people to the library. So my parents were the best. There's neither of them completed high school, but they were so vested in public resources and education. And so if I was interested in airplanes, they'd say, let's get 50 books and a bunch of DVDs and airplanes, and you can learn all about them. And I found out, eh, airplanes aren't for me. And they're like, okay, we'll take them back. It's free. They're in almost every community in the world uh, is a library or at least fairly close by. And if they're not, they need to come back. Um, yeah. Sometimes we go to school. So that's huge. And second is to really make sure kids know that that level of passion is something that is important and is valued in society. You notice this, of course, with kids. Our, our bread and butter is 10 through 13 year olds. They love being enthusiastic. And then 16 through 18, they're like, it's not cool. I got to be back yeah, here. Yeah. This mix making sure that they know whether it's shoes or fashion or hip hop or science, that it's really important to be that excited and it leads to great things for you in life. So. Oh, totally. So, I mean, um, we can be self-conscious, but there comes a point in time where you just, just, you just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that that confidence for most people comes quite a bit later though. And it's, I think it's, it's a great, if you can instill that and keep it around from that, like, 16 to 18 range because that's when people are making these decisions about whether they're going to go for extra schooling or what career path they're going to do and people lose it then and so we really try when we can do high school programs and highlight career paths and how diverse they can be i think that that's a really valuable thing for students that age to hear particularly so oh absolutely so as you, as you look forward to you know the work that you've been doing uh yes. is there anything coming up or new ideas on the way or something that's sort of hidden away that we can kind of hey this is coming i'm just just curious well, so, I mean, this is for your international audience, but particularly for your Australian audience. So one of my favorite things that we've done in the last few years, and is going to be back in a really big way this coming May, is something called Backyard Bio. And so a couple of years ago, we ran the Global Biodiversity Festival. It was 60 programs in three days with all the world leading conservationists. It was crazy. We like didn't sleep at all. And we brought on all these people. And as a throwaway thing, we said, hey, if you're watching or if you're a speaker, take your phone and go take a picture of some living thing near you and share it with hashtag backyard bio. 
We had a speaker live in Kenya. He finished his talk. He walked 100 feet away and he took a picture of a lion because that's his backyard. And we had a hornbill in Uganda. And then kids were starting to share robins and snakes and lizards. And, and the feedback was so tremendous that, I mean, for me, it was just like manna from heaven. And I said, okay, this is my baby now. Like, this is what I want to be doing. And so over the last two years, we built it up where, again, the whole month of May long, it's a pretty good month. It's fall for the Southern Hemisphere. It's spring. There's still life. There's not too much snow. Nothing's on fire. It's good. And so it's this wonderful time when there's a lot of biodiversity all over the world. And we say, look, go outside with your class or with your family, take a picture, sketch what you find and share it with the world with social media, actually back your bio, the iNaturalist and Seek apps, which are the greatest apps of all time. If people take nothing else away from this talk, everyone should download Seek because it's like Pokemon Go for nature and you can go explore everything. And so I'm trying to find way more ways of insinuating this into classrooms year round because it's just the coolest program of all time. And my favorite is direct teacher connections because we feature these amazing experts. So you have a guy in Brazil and he's bushwhacked through the Amazon. He's amazing. He's telling you how cool he is. And that's fantastic. You know, what's better than that is to have Brazilian kids talking to Canadian kids and Australian kids where they're all joining in this shared love of wildlife. And so all day long, we set up those connections. You can go to backyardbio.net and if you're an Australian class, if you're in Sydney and you're grade four, you can sign up and say that, and we'll put you in touch with a class in Toronto and London and Seoul. And then you can all do backyard bio together and kids can be like, oh, what do you have? Oh, how is that different from what we have? And kids adore this. It's the most fulfilling thing professionally I've ever done. And so last May, I must admit, I was moving across Canada, buying a house and planning a wedding. So my brain was a little elsewhere, but this coming May, I'm trying to make this like the global nature campaign for youth on this planet and get people excited. And I think it's, it's a low barrier to entry. It's free, it's fun and allows people to connect. So that's the biggest thing coming up. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about that prospect. That's fantastic. And what I was uh, like about this is that um, it's from, it's a simplistic, Hey, it's going to be the world leading program on this which is a great way to actually approach any program when you think about it like i mean like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's why, why do something um small if you can do it large and especially something like this is transferring globally and it's so simple i mean taking a photo i mean i mean especially with byod i mean i mean not everyone has access to a phone but a lot of kids do yeah that and is so it gives them this built-in opportunity to use it for something good and I mean, if they don't have a phone, we try and offer things like sketching, like just draw what you find. And then your teacher can send an email if they happen to have a connection or use the public library for that. Or frankly, if you don't have any of those resources, just take that time to be mindful of the things that live near you. Because whether you're in the Amazon rainforest or the heart of New York City, there, there's life teeming around you. I mean, you just have to look for it. And that's such a, for us that know this sort of thing, it's such a special thing to go through an area and just be amazed this biodiversity around us so, oh absolutely yeah. so jess it's thank you so much for hanging out with me uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good it's quite an invigorating chat i know it's the afternoon coming into the evening for you but i'm now well awake for my morning yes, <laughs> i'm trying that's my goal i'm glad i succeeded <laughs> oh fantastic so i mean it, we take away uh, from this chat i mean definitely we have to go to our, our naturalist and and seek for sure i mean and by the way those uh links are always as always on the, on the show notes uh However, uh, if you had a bunch of educators in front of you and you were saying, how could we start improving kids' uh, enthusiasm for nature? Yep. What would, you, what would you say like, a couple of things to do? 
I mean, in terms of our programs, exploringbytheseat.com, you have access to that YouTube channel. You can hear from some of the coolest experts in the world on any topic imaginable from 95 countries. We've had speakers come from all over the world. Uh, I think that that's a really enriching thing. Seek and I Naturals, you said you're going to put in the thing. And I, I really do. I love those tools. I find them so useful. If I was a boy and they'd come out, I would have done a little else of my time. And public, public and school libraries and librarians. I mean, I'm going to be married to a librarian soon, so I'm hopelessly biased. But really, <laughs> these are people that are in a world where it can be really difficult to navigate between truth and fiction in a lot of things. Librarians are people that are trained to help people guide through that process and point them in the direction of the best possible resources. So there's a whole group of people in the world that their whole job is to make your life richer and give you what you need to learn and grow. And I think that that is something that we're increasingly seeing in Canada and the US is this teacher-librarian hybrid. And so any teacher that's willing to share that uh, and message, I, I think is the best possible advice I could give for anybody. Oh, fantastic. Jesse, have a fantastic <laughs> evening, mate. It's been awesome having a chat. Thank you so much, Ben. Have a wonderful day. And uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity with your audience today. I appreciate it. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. It was so fantastic just hanging out with someone who truly loves their education in so many ways. Jesse, I love your work. And I also love that after that chat that you sent across, all of those really handy, great books that you recommend that people should read. So here we go. Get a pen, everyone. Check out Regeneration. Check out Drawdown. Check out An Immense World. And also Under a White Sky. That one's for adults only, by the way. And the best general science book ever written. And Jesse, I do agree, A Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson. I love that book. It is well dog-eared and well-loved by me. Absolutely love it. So I hope you got a bit out of it. And by the way, go to those links again. Go to backyardbio.net as well as inaturalist.org. Find about all the different things that you can do no matter where you are on this planet. So this is enough of this particular chat on the Physics Ed Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You've been listening to me, Ben Newsom from Physics Education. This is the Physics Ed Podcast, and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au